0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we hear, chat to those who make the magic of theatre happen. From the writers who have the ideas in their heads for years, the directors who bring those ideas onto the stage, or the designers who create the playground for the actors to immerse themselves with on stage. And on this week's episode we are joined by writer Rhea Burston who is bringing Woebegone, the inaugural play from Up Yours Theatre Company to the Bread and Roses Theatre from the 27th of June until the 1st of July. I had a really lovely chat with Rhea while she was still in rehearsals for the show and it just sounds like it's going to be a production that makes people think when they come and leave the theatre after having an evening experiencing a play like this that Rhea is bringing onto the stage. So. Without any further ado, here is episode one hundred and six of the Stage Place with writer Rhea Burston. Hello, Rhea and welcome to the Stage Place. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: I am very good, thank you. Ria, today we're going to talk about Way which is at the Bread and Roses Theatre from the 27th of June until the 1st of July. I just want to also just pick up on the fact that this is Up Yours Theatre Company's very first production. So Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about Up Yours Theatre Company and what type of work that you want to create. Obviously, you've got Way currently Mm -hmm. happening at the moment. You're currently in rehearsals for it what type of theatre does the company want to make and show to its audiences?
1: So Up Yours started very early on, kind of, well, it started in lockdown. So as everyone kind of locked away, not being able to have that creative outlet and kind of wanting to do something and have a project, I started a online festival, theatre festival, that was called Up The North. So that was all about uplifting and celebrating northern artists and kind of remember at the time there was quite a big debate and conversation about kind of southern artists versus like northern artists and if there was a divide whether there was a divide in terms of funding and there was just a lot of interesting conversations that you know I don't think anyone has the answers to but it's Hmm. interesting to raise The questions and to sort of highlight it a little bit so we did that we did up the north um, and that was an amazing weekend there was a massive demand for it online and everyone really kind of got involved so then from there as I progressed through life and sort of you know I moved away from the north to come and do actor training myself and to sort of do that I kind of thought well I can't call it up the north anymore because that would just be hypocritical so I thought right how can I keep the same essence how can I keep the same ethos of what we wanted to do with up the north and translate it into something different and Mm -hmm. up yours kind of came from the classic like up yours was in like a northern phrase and keeping that element of it but also mixed with the celebrating people and uplifting people and really sort of raising voices that potentially don't get raised so for me long-winded way to say I kind of want to make work that really celebrates artists that aren't potentially in the scope of what we see every day. So So for myself, that's kind of, that's working class artists. I come from a working class family back in Manchester. And for me, I know how hard it's been and kind of entering an industry of acting and making theatre and being a theatre maker. Yeah, Sometimes the doors for working class artists aren't open and you really have to forge your way forward. So, yeah, for me, that looks like making work with northern working class artists. But just working class people and then seeing where it goes like we're very early stages right now so it yeah. could branch out into working with lots of different people from lots of underrepresented parts of the industry so just want to make work that is a bit like fuck you to everyone that says yeah. we can't be here do you know what i mean
0: absolutely and obviously you know you're in the early stages of this company mm. and this is the very first show that you're doing where we've gone now in london Would you be open to Northern artists getting in touch with you with submissions that they've got? Or, you know, are you always happy to have chats with artists up north if they want to you know showcase their work but don't know how to do it and then listen maybe to this podcast and go maybe I can get in touch with this person.
1: Oh completely yeah, yeah. I would love to be in touch with artists kind of northern southern wherever you are just kind of particularly northern because you know just because I'm in London right now and I'm yeah. in the south right now doesn't potentially mean I'll be there in a year two year three years so yeah definitely I want to get in touch with people and hear from people with stories and Up Yours isn't kind of like, we're not some sort of like rep company that only sticks with these people and only works with these people. I want it to always be a place where new people can come. I can meet loads of different people And put other people in touch with each other as well. And almost be like, yes, we're a theatre company, but also we're a space where if you need support and you need help with something, then I can put you in touch with this person.
0: Mm. So it
1: almost being like a little hub for people who want to create work together.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely wonderful. So Ria, obviously, this first production, "Woe Be Gone, you are the writer of the production. Tell me a little bit about how the idea of this show came about and take me back to when you first started writing it.
1: So it started way back when, I want to say, I know I was 18, now I'm 23. I remember being sat on a bus back home from work in Manchester when I was 18. And these lads behind me were just going on and on and on about how bad it was for women to talk about like sex and like, oh, it's so gross when they talk about this and periods and then and then then and then. Having like a really loud conversation as well. And I was sat there and I was like, oh my God, like my blood was just boiling. And so that basically resulted in me going home and being like, you know what, I'm going to say a massive finger to those guys and write something about it as like, you know what, women do talk about this. We do. And it's normal. And I feel like, actually, have I watched a play that talks about it? So openly, no. And that kind of got that starting. That's where the idea came from. And as it just developed and developed, it sort of started to come into contact with mental health and sort of looking at how do we support our friends when we're at Mm. an early stage. The idea of being in your early 20s, mid 20s as a woman was always kind of like the structure for me as a story. And I guess as I grew up being 18 when I started writing it and now I'm five years older, it kind of grew up as I grew up. And as I experienced things and things happened to me and I saw things happen in the world to women and to my friends around me, the story sort of just kept going. So it went from kind of being a F you, we're just gonna talk about sex and celebrate that and show how real a woman's life is, to now it sort of looks at how when you start to get older you lose touch with your friends a little bit and how it really is hard when that happens. Yeah. And it how kind of hurtful that can be when you're still close to them, but you're not close to them. And then it has a massive twist. Massive twist in it as well that kind of explores the real kind of reality of what women are threatened by that happens to women, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah.
0: And so, you were saying there that you were inspired by. Basically, a real life heard conversation that you heard yeah. on the bus, which I think is so amazing. You know, when we ask people on this podcast about what advice they might have for people, you know, who start mm-hmm. out writing and stuff, they do say just listen to your surroundings and, you know, know what's about you and everything like that. For you as a writer, what else inspires you when writing material?
1: I guess because I never really started out with the intention of being a writer. I think I just kind of went on my laptop and just started typing and then actually found that like, oh, you know what? I really enjoy this. I really like this. People have told me I'm all right at it, so I'll keep going with it. And then as I kind of started to take myself seriously as a writer and sort of said, yeah, okay, I'm not, you know, doing anything professionally, quote unquote, or, you know, I'm not getting commissioned by anyone, but... If I take myself seriously, then it's going to go somewhere. So I suppose I get inspired, one, yes, by looking what's around me yeah. and also by watching what is out there as well. Like I go and see plays. I go and even watch like TV shows and films and really pay attention to kind of how people are being portrayed hmm. and how certain stories are being told and sort of allowing myself to form that opinion of being positive, but also kind of being critical as well and letting that inspire me with, okay, I really liked when they did this. I didn't quite like when they did this. Why? So for me, I kind of, I think I get mine from reading plays, watching plays and just looking to see what's around me.
0: Yeah. And so with Woe Gone then, tell me a little bit about the story and where we find the characters at the start of the show.
1: Yes. So at the very start, we're, we're basically looking into Danny, Joy and Amy's friendship. So Danny has gone away for three years. She went travelling after she graduated from university, left her two best friends, Joy and Amy. Now she's back after three years without much contact with them, and is kind of walking back into the result of not being there for three years and watching them. They've got on with their lives. They did something with their degrees. She kind of pissed off to different countries for three years, and now she's coming to the reality of oh, okay. I've got to get my life sorted. You've got your life sorted. So you sort of see them struggle being able to figure out their friendship, know where the boundaries are, kind of the awkward, we were friends when I left, are we friends now I'm back? And you just get to see them butt heads, basically, yeah. butt heads. They're going at each other a little bit sometimes and trying to desperately hold on to the friendship that they have in front of them as well. But no one's really saying much about it they're kind of it's the left unsaid and yeah. trying to figure things out without saying it. And so we see them get worse and worse and worse as time goes on and then the kind of unthinkable happens and then it explores how the hell do they deal with that? I think we see a lot of in our day-to-day life and in the media when really bad things might happen to women and to just anyone, I guess. It's always a massive rush. There's always a lot of, we need to change this. We need to change that. This isn't right anymore. That happens for maybe a few days and then it feels like it fizzles out. And we kind of get to see what happens when it happens to people and how do they actually cope with that and what's left for them when the rest of the world is starting to move on and how the hell can they even attempt to do that.
0: Yeah, and obviously you've just been in rehearsals today for the show. What's it like for you as a writer listening to your words that you know you like you say, you've had Mm. them for about five years now. You started writing this when you were 18. Now you're in the room and you're listening to the actors who will be portraying these characters in the show saying your words out loud for you as a writer how does that feel for you
1: i mean it's great i think to have the opportunity to have this be brought to life by actors by real people who are really passionate about it is just amazing there's always going to be the part of me that's really critical about it as well like i'm I'm listening i'm like oh does that land does that read is that does that feel real But no, it's great. And I think to have the actors who I have on board, they're really passionate. They're really invested in it and committed to the story that we're wanting to tell. So I think it's the rehearsal room is such a great environment of with it being still a kind of work in progress piece, I think, because I've been writing it for so long and it's had that many drafts. I feel like it will be finished at some point, but I'm still treating this. As a kind of an opportunity to get real feedback from people as well, because it is a work in progress to have them creatively thinking about it as well and on board with making this the best version of itself it could possibly be. It's so rich for me as a writer. I'm just getting all this stuff left, right, and centre to work from when we finish doing it.
0: Yeah. And that's it, though, really, isn't it? It's like when you've had it in your head for so long, and I'm not sure if you've done workshops with the show or anything but just to have that actual in real life feedback from audience members to come back for it. And like you say, you're not taking it too seriously just yet. It's still that work in progress. You Mm -hmm. just want to know what people are saying about it before you make it bigger if you want to and keep working and hashing out drafts of it and making it the tightest possible version that it can be. What would your end goal be for this production?
1: I think if I was blue sky dreaming and big picture thinking. For me, I think it had legs to make a real impact potentially I think best case scenario for me would be that we do this run and we get in touch and we get to meet and connect with really passionate creative people who want to kind of develop it and take it further who might have an expertise level that I know I definitely might not have who will work alongside us to kind of develop it and keep an essence of what it is but see what needs to happen with that feedback As well as also because it does involve kind of a lot of, well, it's about women and it's about potential violence to women, getting in touch with charities and Mm. real people that stories might have happened to them and real incidents and actually outreaching more than we've been able to up to now to really get that input into the creative process as well, which I think would be so valuable for it. And then, I mean, I love the Almeida Theatre in London. I think that is an amazing space. I think they make work that's new and they're very willing to put risky work on that makes an audience go, oh, okay, which I think Wogagon will be doing. It makes someone go, oh, okay. Was that, you know, it's a bit, not political, but it it's kind of political, but it's on the knife edge of, you know, not upsetting people, but pushing the boundary.
0: Yeah. And is that what you want audiences to take away or experience with that show? That kind of like gut punch of going, wow, like this is what it really is like for women. Is that what you want audiences to take away?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the best possible outcome for an audience to walk away from with their, I don't necessarily want them to love it. Cool. As long as it made them think and it made them feel something and it kind of made them question how they view the topic that it's talking about. Yeah. I'll be so happy. Because it is a massive gut punch. It kind of comes from nowhere and it it will slap people across the face. That might be uncomfortable. And I completely understand that, that for an audience member, it's probably going to be an uncomfortable watch. But I think that's important sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think that's the success of theatre though. I don't think everybody has to love everything about the production. It's going to speak to a lot of people, probably it's going to speak more to a female demographic than a male demographic maybe, without knowing the story. But from what you've said it probably will feel more uncomfortable for men potentially but as long as it makes them think and makes them maybe not necessarily straight away but just to over time think back Mm. and go I remember that production and how maybe females were treated in that way and you know maybe there will be over time a response from males that can change their perception on what you're talking about with the show.
1: Definitely. So the cast is three amazing women. And we also have Harry as well, one of the characters. And it was really important for me, whilst I've been writing it and also kind of creating it in the room, that there is a male presence within the play. Because yeah. we don't, the worst thing that I want is, I don't want it to be kind of like a fuck all men thing. Like it's not that type of message. But I think having a, a male involved in the cast and having a, a male character yeah. is actually really helpful because. One, it keeps us in check when we are telling this story of like, okay, but this is a one-sided perspective. Mm. But it opens the conversation up to be like, there's a there's a man in the room here who's involved in this situation. Yeah. How the hell is he going to deal with it? And almost using that as like, a okay, that wasn't so hard. Mm. Or, you know, just kind of like for the men that are in the room watching, having somebody else that they can relate to on stage, if oh. they might not be able to relate to the women, yeah. having that impact them as well. That's no. not really important
0: yeah absolutely what are you most excited for having this show at the bread and roses
1: I'm just excited for it to get out there because it's been five years in the making I can't wait for it to actually be seen by an audience and get some feedback on it and have the words truly be brought to life in a way where we're proud of it Mm. and it's going to make a real impact on an audience and also the bread and roses is a really lovely theater and the fact that we get to do this the very first production is in an off west end theater in london in clapham like that just feels epic so i'm so excited just to get it on its feet in a room full of real people who are going to have a real impact and a real kind of connection to it yeah it's gonna be great
0: yeah and the bread and roses is quite an intimate venue as well so hopefully you've got kind of like Postrophobic, you know, uncomfortableness that you might be after with the show, which is yeah. exciting.
1: Like a feeling, because it is so intimate, like a feeling of even if it might be uncomfortable at times, you also get like the connection to them that you might not get in a massive space. Yes. That kind of feeling as well.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. It, and you'll be able to hear the reaction just because of that. So it's, it's, it's all very exciting. Well, Rio where you'll be gone is at the Bread and Roses Theatre from the 27th of June until the 1st of July. Ria, before I let you go and have the rest of your day, I've got one final question for you. It's the question I ask everybody on the podcast. It's the title of the podcast. That's the stagey place. And what I love to know from all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So for Ria, for you, it could be a theatre. It could be the Almeida, a place that you Mm -hmm. absolutely love the programming that happens on in that theatre. It could be spaces where you find inspiration like it could be the bus that you were mm. on that one night that inspired you to write Woe Be Gone or it could be a person that's inspired you whether or not it's those group of lads or whether or not it's somebody <laughs> in the years that you've had in this career in the industry that has really made a difference for you and has really inspired you to become the writer that you are today Saria so mm. Burston, answer me this whereabouts is your stagey place?
1: For me, I think my stagey place is the Lowry Theatre, which is in Salford, back in Manchester. It's a place I basically grew up there when I was starting out doing National Theatre Connections Festival when I was 14, 15, 16. They're the people that really inspired me to start writing. They gave me a platform. Mm -hmm. They gave me a mentor. Funnily enough, they were all bloody women as well. And it just felt like throughout my entire life and kind of creative career so far, i've just met all these amazing women that have just given me all this advice so to all those people like steph green we've got helen monks all those people like that who started off very yeah. early on thank you so much they're my stagey place
0: i love the shout outs that you gave there as well not yes. just for the building but for the women who have really created your pathway within this yes. industry so far and like you say gave you the schemes and the knowledge to become the writer that you are today well we are Burston, once again thank you so much for joining me on the stagey place
1: no, thank you so much.
0: And there we go. That was our interview with Rhea Burstyn, the writer of Up Your's Theatre Company's inaugural production, Woe Be Gone, which is heading to the Bread and Roses Theatre in Clapham, London, from the 27th of June until the 1st of July. So if you've listened to this episode and want to book tickets for the production, you can do so via the episode links wherever you are streaming this episode of The Stagey Place. And so that's it for this week. I'd love to thank you, the listeners, so much for tuning into the Stagey Place. My name's Ben Elliot, and until next time, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.